Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey guys, I have a really special guest today and I have some really exciting news as well to share. And today's episode is episode 100. Dahlia Barsoom has been a huge part of my team. My mortgage broker has helped me scale my portfolio and I wanted her to come back today. You guys might've heard her in the past and past episodes and uh, supporting the, the podcast as a sponsor as well. But I am officially able to leave the job world. And I want to say, first of all, thank you, Dahlia, because I could have not done it without you. I think it's just incredible, your support throughout the years, but welcome to the show. Congratulations, Sarah. This is a, an incredible milestone that a lot of investors want to get to. And the fact that you're here today is very inspiring, even for me to be your mortgage broker and to see the progress that you made is incredibly, incredibly rewarding. So um, congratulations. And yeah, thank you for being here today. Amazing. So, you know, when we first met, I think we, I had two or three properties and it was going to the bank directly and I called you and I'm like, this bank, this lender, they want like 35% down, like what is happening? And then you started looking at it and you're like, oh, we have to untangle some of the original stuff you did because it wasn't the right thing. And that's how we, I don't know if you remember, but that's how we first started talking. Yeah. Yeah. You had two properties at the time and you were upset about the fact that you had to put a lot of down payment. And exactly, the bank told you, you need a higher down payment for the next one and you were close, close to maxing out. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, then, and then that's when I realized the benefit of working with a mortgage broker and working with one person that's going to help you through your whole journey. So let's fast forward. I think that was back in 2014, 2015 that we met. It's, it's officially 2020 five years later, and you've, you've put me on the right path and you've allowed me to be able to leave my full-time income and, uh, and pursue what I want to do. And real estate gives you the time back so that you don't have to work 30 years of your life. So thank you for that. I owe you so much. We definitely have to celebrate. <laughs> um, yes. I can't wait for the party. <laughs> I know. I was telling Dahlia too. I'm like, I'm going to have a retirement party. I don't know what it's going to be called yet. Cause I don't, think fully I want to do nothing for the rest of my life. Like I still want to do things and I enjoy talking to, you know, everybody and, and I enjoy the podcast, but you know, I don't have that 40 hour work week that I have to do every single work uh, or every single week to, to support that income. So super excited. Um, but let's take a step back because one of the things that you taught me early on, and maybe you can talk about that a little bit is just you know, understanding what the goals are, how to break it down, and then the different modes that there are, right? So, so walk us through like some of the things when you talk to an investor and they have a goal to retire uh, in 10 years or whatnot, like what do, you, what do you suggest to them and how do you work that out? So we see a lot of portfolios. And the cool thing about uh, what I do is I get to see the capital structure I get to see the strategies, I get to see the cash flow, I get to see everything below that iceberg. So in the process, we've actually observed a lot and learned a lot. And that's how we have developed our own methodology around what makes an investor successful and how they can go about hitting their goals. So it's not about the number of properties you buy. And it's not about, you know, buy, 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 buy forever. Uh, I think a lot of investors uh, know, and we all know that buying real estate and owning real estate is great and builds your wealth and gives you cash flow. But I think a lot of investors live in that growth mode of property acquisition uh, constantly and don't think through their capital structure upfront. They just, you know, sporadically say, okay, I'm going to use this source of money to buy this property. And as long as I have the property, you know, I'm happy. And, and they don't look at the big picture of what are we trying to achieve here? One of the things that have always struck a chord with me is if you're working hard on the wrong thing, you may find out that you've been climbing the wrong mountain. And, and that struck with me big time because, you know, I see investors work very hard. They're trying to acquire properties. They're trying to learn all of these strategies, you know, and then 
they may, they may get to a mountain and they go, oh, this is not the mountain I was climbing. So right. this is how we go about things. First of all, yes, at the end of the day, we're mortgage brokers and we specialize in investment property financing. We know the rules in, inside out and we know how to structure our portfolio. But here is the conversation we have with clients. First of all, we want to know what is your goal? Are you trying to build the portfolio to build the pension so that it replaces your income in X number of years? Or are you trying to uh, get to a certain level of cash flow that will help you quit your job? So we need some clarity around that. And that could be any number. Maybe it's a $10,000. I want to eventually get to $10,000 from my real estate portfolio. And here's what I tell investors. You have time. Time is your variable. If you've got time, if you've got runway, then if we build that portfolio and structure it with the right financing and we utilize some cool mortgage features, that portfolio will eventually pay itself down and will give you a pension. But if you're impatient and you want that cash flow sooner, then we have to say, okay, let's build the portfolio and then let's think about ways to eventually burn down these mortgages a lot sooner than 25 years because you don't want to wait 25 years. So it's really risk return. So first question is what cash flow or you know target are we after? So that's first question. From there, we say, okay, in reality, if you have any property, it doesn't matter where that property is located, if you buy it and you know, assume that the mortgage is clear on that property, and let's say that property is giving you $1,000 a month, as an investor, if there is no debt on the asset, you can expect to net in your pocket about 70% of that $1,000. Why? Because 30% is still operational expenses. So if you go by the same formula and you want to build the $10,000 portfolio, then you have to acquire X number of properties that you know, bring you gross rental income greater than the 10,000. So it's about 14,000 gross. So first step is to say, okay, we're after 14,000. Now, where are we going to buy? What are you going to buy? And every investor is different. On our end here, we've collected a lot of data around, you know, price to rent ratios, strategy. So we're able to share with investors food for thought and, you know, connect them with experts that can help them take a step forward. But then once we've determined where they're going to buy and how, what, what are they going to buy, we say, okay, we need maybe five in this market using the strategy. Let's now break down financing. Where is the money going to come from? Who's going to go on title? What terms can we expect? If you're going to use this strategy, what do you need to keep in mind from a financing standpoint? So we start to actually break it down to the mortgage level from that point. And that's what I call growth phase. Every investor has to go through a build-up phase. Let's build up that portfolio that will get you to that income that we're after. Where I see mistakes happen is people don't stop the growth phase. Like they keep going and going and going. And then they complain about the fact that, okay, I have all of these properties that look great on paper, but I'm not getting the cash flow. It's because they haven't thought about mortgage pay down. So that's where the next conversation comes in. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, just want to take a quick moment and introduce you to a key member of my power team. Dylan Suter is my realtor who's been working very hard to find me amazing deals. And Dylan, I'm a big proponent in working with realtors that are investors. And Dylan is truly an investor. Welcome, Dylan. And thank you so much for being a sponsor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I want to first thank you for having us as a sponsor. We're really grateful to be working with you and all of the support you've given us over the past couple of years. So thank you so much for that. And our focus as Elevation Realty is to focus our attention primarily on real estate investors that are looking to replace their active income with a passive income and go enjoy what they like most, such as time with the family or up at the cottage, whatever it may be. So what we do is we focus our attention on creating a plan specific for each client, whether that is something they want to have five properties in five years and be able to sit on them for 10 years and then sell them and retire on the, the equity. Or if they're looking to scale their portfolio and retire in the next 12 months, we can look at doing that as well through joint ventures or Airbnb short-term rentals. We can talk through buildings, buy, renovate, refinance, single family purchases, and the list goes on. That's awesome. Now, Dylan, if people wanted to reach out and get help from you, where can they go? They can check us out online at www.elevationrealty.ca, E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca. 
or they can email us at info at elevationrealty.ca. Give us a call or text at 905-592-4220 or check us out at The Right Club or other meetup groups that we're usually at as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dylan. It is awesome working with you as always. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. Yeah. I mean, and I think you raised a great point. Like you'll, you'll see a lot on social media. Oh, I want 150 properties or I want 500 properties. And you've got to understand why you want that. And, and I think you said it, like it comes down to the income that you're looking at, at making because it's not about, okay, you have 500 properties. That's great. But you probably have some investors that have a ton of properties and you're like, wow, their cash flow is not so good versus an investor that has some select properties based on cer- certain strategies that you've discussed with them and their cash flow might be maybe even the same <laughs> or better than that person with many, many more properties. Exactly. Exactly. So, and it's I think how opt- optimized your portfolio is, it's not the number of properties. Absolutely. And I think, and I think that was a good wake up call for me in the beginning, because I, I'm just like, you know, when we first met, I'm like, I want this amount of properties. And you're like, okay, well, why? It doesn't really go with, you know, what's your income goal and all that stuff. And then you have to work it out backwards, but, but you're right. Like, then you, you have to say at some point, okay, you're at your goal. Do you want to keep acquiring and acquiring and acquiring? Or do you want to say this cash flow could be better if I start paying it down and paying it down? Exactly. And, paying it down? Exactly. and there's those two phases, right. That are really important to consider. Exactly. And that's really where the, where the magic happens. When you, get, you, when you own this portfolio and you've got your gross rental income at a level where, that you're happy with, today you may be getting some cash flow from that portfolio because you still have to deduct your mortgage on all expenses. So you're, you may be getting some good cash flow. But the, the magic comes in once we start to burn down these mortgages. And that's where we say, okay, how are we going to burn down? Maybe we sell something and take the lump sum and start to play with prepayment privileges across the portfolio to burn mortgages sooner. You'll be surprised, you know, how soon you can burn a mortgage if you play with the prepayment privileges, you know, you, you can cut it down from 25 years to 10 years or 15 years. So one way is to sell some properties to take a lump sum and pay down. Another way is to do maybe some joint ventures on the side. And through these joint ventures, you're still going to grow as an investor, but eventually you'll exit the venture, take that money, and again, start to burn down some mortgages. So it is very rare for investors to talk about mortgage pay down because they're always thinking about this acquisition mode. But (laughs) the power comes in at some point once you start to burn down things. We see a lot of portfolios, and those who are living off the rental income have properties that are primarily free and clear by now because they got that mentality up front. I'm going to grow and then I'm going to retire the debt. Yeah. And I think that's a good point too, because, you know, in this market in Ontario and where we are today, the, the cash flow is not the same as it, first of all, as it was maybe in the past, but also as it is in the U S or as it is somewhere else. So we have other things that work for us, but, but you might see cash flow of 200, 300, 400, 500. I'll tell you that the cash flow gets better when you have tenants that turn over because the market rents go up a lot more than what we can increase year over year, number one. But number two, you'll get the mortgage paid down and you'll get the appreciation. Recycle some of that money. You can do the birth strategy or, or you can just refinance regardless if you bought, if you bought right. But really ultimately, how do you increase that cash flow? It's going to be through Things like you just said, mortgage pay down, but also, and I know you, you know lenders don't like this, Airbnb brings in more cash flow. Tenant turnover brings in more cash flow. So there's different things that you can do or different strategies or different things that you can add to increase your cash flow. So our $200 or $300 cash flow from day one, it doesn't mean that that's what you're going to get five years from now, 10 years from now. There's strategies that you can, you can change that with. Yes, that's a great point about the cash flow, Sarah, because a lot of investors say, okay, you know what, I'm going to add $200 here, $300 there, and if I want to get to $5,000, let's say per month, I have to keep adding these mini pockets of cash flow to get to the $5,000 versus saying, you know what, let me not spend that $200 or $300 and let me look at the mortgage on this property and see if I take this cash flow back and put it towards, you know, principal paid down, how much of the life of the mortgage is going to get? And they'll be shocked by 
again, the prepayment privileges. And one of the key, key products that we're big fans of, and Sarah, you know about this product as well, is advanceable mortgages. Because for an investor, when the time comes to actually pay down mortgages, you don't want your money to get trapped back into the property. An advanceable mortgage allows you to pay the mortgage, so you're burning that, but then that money pops back up again on the line of credit. So now you've got access to your money again if you want to do private lending or if you want to do something else with it, which is phenomenal product to allow you to get to that point and not trap you know, the money back into the property. Yeah. And I like that you said that too, because here's the thing is, is likely in the fall and I'm, I'm doing an exit, a slow exit with the company because they're being really good and they've, we want to make sure that we, we leave everything in the best ability for somebody to take over once I leave. But once I leave, I'm not going to have that ability to go back to a Scotia, for example, and refinance the same. So that advanceable mortgage is going to allow me to unlock that money as I pay it down without having to requalify because I probably will not qualify at that point in time. <laughs> you wouldn't qualify for the products that we've been lining up and planning throughout the journey once you leave your job. So, so guys, if you're listening to this, work with your mortgage broker, refinance. So like one of the things that we just did is we refinanced three, three different properties. And I know with everything and everyone's refinancing, it took a little bit longer, but have a plan. So don't just say, I'm going to leave my job tomorrow. Look at how you're going to unlock the money that you may need one day while you're still employed before you you take that leap yes absolutely so what are some things because you probably have investors that you're working with and they're like can i quit my job yet can i quit my job yet what are some of the things that you want to make sure that people know to do prior so one of the things is definitely line up any equity that you can line up while you're still qualifying and line up that equity not by taking on larger mortgages, but rather that, you know, through secured line of credits. That's number one. You look at your portfolio and you say, okay, where can I line up equity? This way I've got this money parked. It's not costing me anything per month and I qualify now. So I'm just going to do it. That's really, really, really key. So number one, line up equity through cheap means like line of credits across your portfolio. It makes sense. Then number two is, Again, you know, deploying the right product across your portfolio, because if you are just on a standard mortgage and yeah, we can talk about mortgage pay down, you'll pay it down, but that money is gone. Unless you refinance the property down the road, you wouldn't be able to reaccess it again. So knowing what your future plans look like, we got to put in place the right products, line up capital, put in the right products. And, you know, if while you're in your job, I would say if your goal is to hit a certain target, let's get going with these property purchases. Because once you quit your job, guys, there is no institutional mortgage. You're going to have to deal with private. And the cost of capital for you as an investor is key. So this is really important to say, okay, if we have an opportunity to get a cheaper mortgage with the right product, then, you know, use expensive money like private money or JV money, why not? We should do it that way. And people retire by owning their cash flow, 100%. Yes, you can go into all sorts of strategies and you know, co-own properties, but every time you have the opportunity to own your cash flow 100% and own your property 100%, more power to you. That means that there is more, gonna, more is gonna go to your pocket when the time comes. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. Cause I remember like three or four years ago, I'm, I was asking you, should we JV and this and that, you know, again, if you're the active person and you've got a JV partner that wants to be passive and provide the funds and hold the financing, that's great for somebody that's looking to scale. But I think, like you said, it's important that for the, the control and the, the wealth building over many, many, many years that you, you can have your own portfolio that you have access to. And I mean, if you've got a spouse and you know, both of you rather than just a partner, cause I'll tell you, you, you want to have an exit strategy, right? Like when you're looking at JVs, like it's like five years or three years or seven years, there's gotta be some type of exit. So in my opinion, you're leaving the mortgage pay down, right? Over time, you're leaving the appreciation. You're leaving a lot, I think on the table. If you only have to, you know, if, if you're not going to do anything and you or you're going to do it with a JV, go ahead and JV. But if you're going to do it regardless, if you can get some of your own properties, I think that's just the best, the best way because that is 
in my opinion, that's long-term wealth. JVs will help you with acceleration, right? Acceleration, you, you can cash out and you can then hopefully pay down your own properties that you owe yourself or you own yourself. But I, I would leave, if I were to do the JVs the other way around where I would use my, my financing ability, I think I would have been A, capped a lot sooner, but B, I, I like control, right? I like control and I like long-term wealth. Yeah, you've, you've put it together beautifully, Sarah. That's exactly it. There is a place for every strategy and every capital structure in your portfolio. So to simplify it, really, at the end of the day, you want to build what we call a nest egg. A nest egg is a portfolio that you've built yourself, that you own 100% off with your own money. We want to keep recycling equity to grow that portfolio, you know, to the maximum we, we can with right products, great mortgages. And that's, you know, very, very important for anyone who's looking to build wealth in real estate. You can spice up that portfolio. It has to be a long-term buy and hold that you own 100% off. You can spice it, you know, on, on the way by utilizing things like a bird to increase, you know, your cash flow today, or maybe spice it up through a student rental, or maybe spice it up through a little bit of her Airbnb, again, to boost your cash flow that you're getting today. But the ultimate goal is I own this cash flow. I own it hundred percent. That's the portfolio I'm going to live off. Then in parallel to that portfolio, we can build something else. We call it basically the accelerator portfolio. That's a portfolio that gives you these lump sums of cash to maybe take over to your nest egg and continue to grow it or to ultimately build capital so you can start burning down mortgages when the time comes. So these would be rent-to-owns, um, joint ventures, uh, flipping properties, uh, assignments. And again, the financing tactics for these streams are very different because you know, you got to structure financing to align with these strategies. But that's the big picture here. And like you said, JV is an accelerator strategy uh, that has a place in the portfolio. But it's in, in your case, you, you know, you've built your wealth through the nest egg. And that was the right way to go. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, there's lots of different strategies. And we're talking about many different ones. And I'll tell you, there's great options for everything or there's pros to everything and there's cons to everything. And, and I, I get a lot of questions like, what, what's the best strategy? Should I invest in the U S should I invest in Canada? Like there's so many things. I think that the biggest, the biggest thing that I see is, is that analysis paralysis because there's so many things. So like, how do you help somebody narrow down what the best strategy is for them? Yeah. So at the end of the day, the strategy is a function of a couple of things. One, how much time do you have at hand? Or do you have a team to help you deploy a strategy like a BRRRR, for example? Some people want to get into the BRRRR, but they don't have the skill and they don't have a team. So can we, you know, close that gap? How much capital do you have? Plays a role into which market you're going to get into and what strategy you're going to get into. What's your risk comfort level? Someone may dream all day and all night about the burr, and when once the time comes, they're having a heart attack about you know the renovation. And I've seen that. So again, as much as it's a fantastic strategy, and a lot of investors build their wealth through the burr, you know, again for that person, the burr is not the right thing. Maybe they're you know sixty something year old, and they just want something completely passive. So capital, risk appetite, skill. And then how much time are we dealing with? Okay, how much time are we dealing with to build that portfolio? The earlier you start as an investor, the, the longer your runway and the more options you're going to have. It's really risk return, no magic bullet. If you want to achieve a return a lot sooner because maybe you're older or because you're a little bit more aggressive in terms of you, you know, achieving your goals, then guess what? We have to take on higher risks by deploying certain strategies and sometimes certain strategies work in certain markets like a student rental strategy for example you like if i do a if i try to do a student rental strategy in vaughn that's not gonna work <laughs> so again all of these things influence what you're gonna invest in and where you're gonna invest as a mortgage broker, like I said, over time we have developed this knowledge because we see so much on our way and on our end here. But what also helps is speaking with a coach like yourself who's got so much experience and also knows how to help people arrive to, to these decisions. 
That's all I could say. There isn't like a portal you go to and say, okay, you know, this is, this is, this. Okay, tick, check mark, this market, this strategy, this mortgage. No. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, I just want to take a quick moment here and pause the podcast to introduce you to one of my favorite contractors, John from Blackjack Contracting Inc. And he has been serving the Niagara, Hamilton and Brantford areas for the past three years and has become the area's legal basement suite renovation specialist. He works with many investors that I know and some newer investors, some more experienced investors, and he converts single family homes into multiple units, as well as my favorite strategy, the Burr strategy. So he's well-versed in those as well to make sure that we can achieve the maximum value of the property and the maximum ARV. He has also completed over 100 units from Brantford to Niagara Falls, and everywhere in between as well. They do everything from permitting to the design to the final cleaning before listing our rentals for rent or for sale. And he's also a fully licensed electrical contractor. He's certified with ESA and he will take jobs of all sizes. So no job is too big. He's done a complete guts really from the ground up. So super impressed with his work and what he's been doing for fellow investors that I know as well. So if you wanted to reach out, his website is blackjack contractinginc.ca and you can ask him whatever questions you have. You can also reach out to him Instagram, which is at Blackjack Contracting Inc. And like he says, he knows that investing feels like the biggest gamble of our lives. So when you have Blackjack on your side, the house always wins. I will also add that there is currently a ban as of April 4th on new permits. So he will still actively work to the law's extent and actively work with investors to get projects planned out for when the ban is lifted. So that way you're not necessarily waiting and waiting and waiting. So guys, 100%, I recommend Blackjack Contracting. I will say that finding the right contractor is sometimes a hassle and getting a good one that works with investors that understands the numbers is going to be critical in our success, especially when doing the Burr strategy. And now back to the show. Yeah, but I, I am glad that you mentioned, because this is the this, this stuff that I was hoping that you would share and you did, but just timeline and, and experience and funds available and all of those things will factor into what can be done, right? And so I mean, it could be, it could be anything. It could be from wholesaling to the birth strategy, the, you know, rent to own it. It depends on so many things. So talk to either Dahlia, talk to myself, um, and we can help you narrow it down, but time horizon and, and all of those things really play a factor in the best strategy for somebody. And I'm doing the burr, but it might not be the best strategy for, for others. And I'll tell you, it's not the best strategy in every single market either, because if you can't get that after repair value, after the renos, you might as well do buy and hold or something different. And so I think that's, that's just an important piece. So, so you talked about different markets. And one of the things that I really like that you do is you, because you have essentially tons of investors in Ontario doing so, so many different strategies and investing in different regions, you really have a good grasp on, on what's happening. And one of the things that I like that you, you did with your team is you put a, a list of the top 11 best investment towns. But can you talk a little bit about that, how you come up with that and, and why that would be important to somebody listening right now? Yeah, so I personally and my team did not put forward this research because we're not researchers. We are mortgage brokers that our craft is financing for investment properties. So we hired a leading researcher who works with us and she's a leading real estate researcher. And she's the one who's put together this research based on criteria that we have identified for real estate investors. So what's the criteria? The criteria is we went to her. Her name is Melanie. We went to her and said, Melanie, you've done so much real estate research. Please help us map out for our investors the key markets where there is potential for growth. So look at every market and say, okay, here are the great things that are happening from an economic standpoint at that mar in that market, you know, job growth, infrastructure growth, all of the things that drive real estate values is the first filter. Okay. We want to start with that. And then we want to add in the next filter, which is okay. Within these markets now zoom in on the markets where an investor can buy a property and rent it and it covers its expenses. So she looked at something called the rent to price ratio. So, Vaughn, for example, Vaughn, 
the subway was built in Vaughan a few years ago. If we had done this research a few years ago, Vaughan would have passed the first filter. The subway station that came in at Highway 7 and um, Highway 7 and 400 drove real estate values up here. But Vaughn didn't pass that second filter. Why? Because I can't buy a house here in Vaughn and rent it and the property covers its expenses. My rent to price ratio is very, very low. So she looked at the markets that met the first filter and said, okay, where can we get good rent to price ratio as close as possible to 1%? And that's how we've come up with the list. So on this list is you've got, you know, Durham region, You've got Barrie, Kingston, Ottawa, Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, Hamilton, Brantford, London. There is one more. Um, I think I did. I say Windsor. Did I say? Did I say Windsor? Windsor too. Let's say Windsor. Windsor okay, Windsor, and I don't. Oh, Peterborough, of course, St. Catharines. So these are the markets on the list, and this research simply details everything that's happening in this market, from potential strategies to use to. Economic, economically, what's going on that's going to drive real estate values, what you can expect in terms of trends and price to rent ratios. So that's the research we've put together, again, just to add value to our clients and help them make a more informed decision at the end of the day. That's huge. And so the listeners listening to this, they probably have heard me talking about like market fundamentals and the, some of the things that I look for. Um, and then there's a free downloadable market fundamental checklist that everybody can download, but you're, you're actually taking that and you're doing all the research and all the work. And I'll tell you that that is hours and hours of research and work because not everything is just, you know, on one website where you can pick it. Like you, you have to actually do the research to do it and a huge value. So that's something that you do offer your clients, I think. Right. Yes. That took us a year to put this research together. I, I don't doubt it. It's it's like <laughs> of all of the fundamentals that would take anybody hours trying to figure out which markets it is. And then it's like basically like provided on a, on a platter. So I, I think that's, that's huge. I think it's extremely valuable. And then in addition, like you also have like average rents, you've got, you know, and one of the things that I, I tell people is start like even just going on Kijiji and figuring out, okay, what's a one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom, like there's a lot of work that, that gets done where now it's all in front of us. And granted, it changes every year and, you know, gets updated. Yeah. But we're working uh, on the update. Yeah, we're working on an updated version, but we want to see how the market turns out uh, given the economic outlook before we put out, you know, that research. Because I don't think anyone has a crystal ball to say, okay, here's what's going to happen next year. So we're taking it a step by step. But yes, there will be an updated version of that research. Yeah. And I, and I know you talked about the economics thing and, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on it because people are probably like a little bit sick of hearing about it. But I'll tell you one thing that I think is important to mention is to plan for, for the good, but also to plan for, for a potential downturn. Nobody knows what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or a month from now. But I'll tell you one of the things that you've helped me a lot with was refinancing, right? If there's equity right now, I might as well refinance when I have some comparables from January, February, or March, and I ha we haven't seen a dip. If anything, it's, it's the other way around. Because if in a year I want to refinance, A, I'm going to have no job anyways. But B, I mean, comparables might not be where they are today or you know lenders might might tighten up on their lending restrictions yes yeah exactly when you can line up money and line it up cheap do it even if you don't need it because the rules change the environment changes and sometimes the mistake investors do is that they say you know what i my renewal is coming up uh, next year and they're on a variable rate mortgage my renewal is coming up next year i'll think about it next year do you know if you're going to have a job next year? Do you know if the lenders are going to keep their rules the same? Like when, when, when COVID happened, a lot of lenders came out with new rules. So be proactive is, is my advice. Be proactive to line up capital. Be proactive to, to have a cushion given the uncertainty in the market as well. Yeah. And I do want to go back to the proactive comments. I think one of the things that we've done working with you well is that and, and please guys at home do this as well, have a pulse on what is selling where you've got property. Because if, even if you, you didn't do the burr, okay. And you've got a property and it's, you've, you've had it for a year and a half, two years. I mean, I've had properties. I don't know if you remember this, but like we bought one property for, I was 165 back then. And like, literally we, we refinanced about 14, 15 months later, didn't do anything really to it, but pulled out our entire down payment because we bought right. And then the market in the area started changing 
and the prices started really doing well. And we bought, we bought well too. I, I, I won't take that away, but um, I'd call you and I'd say, Dahlia, like, you know, this property down the street just sold for X. I think we have X amount of equity. Let's pull it out before we actually need it. So much easier. But, you know, like, what can you say about people to try to be proactive to, to do some of that from your point of view? Well, those who are proactive always, always win in my view, because if you are keeping your fingers on the pulse of the market you're in, uh, you will identify opportunities to extract equity to grow or to extract equity as a cushion. So you've always kept an eye on your property, Sarah, and said, you know, I think this is now worth more. Let's look at it. Let's see what options we have. And that served you really, really well. So absolutely. Uh, but also one of the things uh, we are starting to do with a lot of clients is an annual portfolio review. And uh, in that discussion, we ask the clients to go back to their portfolio and get comps from their realtor to reassess what the value is and see if there are opportunities to line up capital early or to save money or to, you know, create that cushion. So that's part of the annual portfolio review. But uh, for those investors who are already doing it, they're ahead of the curve. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it is good to do a review because every year your goals can change, your situation might change. But the other thing I would say is, you know, if somebody's thinking, okay, well, if, if I'm refinancing and all of a sudden I'm refinancing 80% loan to value on the new value, my mortgage is going to go, but that's not always the case. So there's different things that they can do. What, what are some examples? Yeah. So if this is why I said, we don't want to increase that mortgage. Okay. To take out money, we don't want to increase that mortgage. We want to say, okay, there is money to be taken out. Can we qualify to take it out through a secured line of credit? If you're not consolidating debts, if you're not taking equity, cheap equity to consolidate debts with, to save you money and to free up cash flow, then the equity should be taken out as a line of credit. So we try to maximize on that philosophy through portfolio structuring. There will come a point though where you cannot take equity out through a line of credit because not all lenders offer it. But again, that's the, the, the general guideline. If you're not consolidating debts or paying back renovations money, ideally you should not increase that mortgage because by increasing the mortgage to invest, you're just adding a principal and interest payment, you're eating into your cash flow, and you're keeping money in an account that is doing nothing for you. So everybody's unique, but ideally it should be through a line of credit. Absolutely. And just, so just to recap, a HELOC is an, is an option. Cash out refinance is another option. And then you can also do a combination of HELOC and cash out if you need yes. money to pay back certain things. But the yes. benefit, I think, with the HELOC, I mean, if you don't, like you said, if you don't need the money to pay back or, or whatnot, and, and also check your, make sure your property cash flows if you're ever doing a higher mortgage. But I think that the beauty of the HELOC specifically is that it doesn't cost anything really, I mean, it doesn't cost much to set it up, but it doesn't cost anything as long as you're not using it. And so then what you can do is you can figure out, okay, if I borrow X amount of thousands of dollars for the down payment on the next one, it's going to cost me X interest only payments. Factor that into your cash flow, and then it, it essentially accounts for the, the next property, in my opinion. Thoughts? Exactly. You pay as you go. Once you use it, you pay, and you pay interest only. But the beauty about some products is that you can you do have the option to convert whatever you've used on that line of credit to a mortgage without pre-qualifying. So if you get to a point where you say, you know what, my property is is doing well, I'm gonna convert that interest payment to uh, a mortgage because I want to pay it down. Some products allow you to just roll it into a mortgage without requalifying, and that gives you again a lot of flexibility. Awesome. So how does somebody? You know what? One question I get a lot, Dahlia, is how do, so I have 14 doors right now. How do you go from one to two to 14? And I know there's a whole strategy, but maybe just a, a 30,000 foot view. Like, how do you do it with investors? I'll let you answer however you want. This is a very complex question. Yes, it is. <laughs> 30,000 foot view. <laughs> okay. So I, I will try to articulate it to my best ability, but there are some fundamental principles that we follow at any point in time in order to grow a portfolio. First fundamental principle is planning. We have to plan your income. We have to plan the source of money. 
We have to pave the way to, you know, to open up financing for the future. Okay. So planning is key. At any point in time, we always have to look at lining up capital. So this is where we say, okay, where is your growth going to come from? Is it going to come from savings? We can all sit around and save and it's going to take us 45 years to save, to grow a portfolio, or we can recycle equity in a smart way to grow. So we're always looking at ways to pull that. If you're in growth mode, how can we pull this equity in a smart way to give you capital to take it to the next one and the next one and the next one? So lining up capital. Then the third one is, is really about... Again, every time we look at a portfolio, we have to pave the way. How are we going to pave the way for future financing? What is standing in the way to get you qualified with the best lenders on the street for the best products, given what you're looking to do? Are we getting rid of car payments? Are we getting rid of unsecured lines? Are we, you know, paying down something? So planning, lining up capital, paving the way. And then the fourth point comes to how, where we take the deals as you grow your portfolio. So if we've done all of these three things, planning, lineup capital, pave the way, then we can easily on our end here project what your next three deals will look like from a financing standpoint. And once you get there, we get together again and do planning, lineup capital, pave the way. And then we take it to the next three. There isn't a path, like a lot of investors are saying, okay, you know what, tell me the path of how I can go about financing properties. And there is not a path. I can just give you some general guidelines. The general guidelines is, you know, the first five properties, we try to place them with the, with the big five banks. After the first five properties, we try to go to the lenders who uh, use something called a portfolio uh, debt coverage uh, formula on the portfolio. They look at your portfolio as a whole. It, like, it's not here is lender one, lender two, lender three, lender four, lender five. There is no such thing. It's it's a function of planning. So how do you scale up? You scale up by doing these three things. You plan it. You line up your capital smartly. You pave the way along the way in order to buy a chunk, and then you do it again, and then we buy the next chunk. But if you're going about it in a random fashion and you're not doing these three things, yeah, you're going to finance properties, but you're going to hit the wall or you're going to, you know, end up paying more than you need to with, with the cost of funding. So that's what I can share on that front. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I will add those listening to the podcast, it's important that you guys execute, right? Execute on the information that you have weigh the pros and cons, but don't just stay there and be like, oh, this is great. And then you do nothing for five years, right? Just, just plan it correctly based on your plan, based on all those things. And then the other thing I will add is have that meeting with your mortgage broker annually. And I will also say lenders change all the time, what they look for, what they don't look for, their new rules. So have a mortgage broker that you trust or reach out to Dahlia and be on top of that, right? I mean, Scotia just made a few changes that a lot of investors came to me and said, oh, Sarah, we can't use our HELOCs anymore for the down payment. And what is this all about? Like you have, you have things that you could do to help them so that they don't get stuck. Yes, yes, exactly. So we're on top of the rules and we know how to maneuver and navigate any changes that come our way, you know, from the lenders. So at the end of the day, lenders change all the time. We just have to understand these changes and how we deal with them. And there is always solutions. Nobody should panic. <laughs> the, a, a key question on growth, Sarah, that I get from investors is, you know, how do people build this big portfolio? And again, can I help you build a large portfolio? Absolutely. 20, 30 properties, whatever number we're looking for. The question is your cost of capital. Your cost of capital. If you've built your portfolio using private money, we can build a portfolio using private money, no problem. But your cost of capital is going to be crazy. You'll have to so, have two jobs to pay that capital. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Or I don't know, rent to, to, like, exactly. The cost of capital is huge. So it's not about whether or not you can grow. It's about how we plan financing to scale up and make sure that your capital structure is solid enough, optimized well enough, to stretch that portfolio the way you envision it and where you want it to be. Buying properties is easy. Yeah. There is a lot of capital out there, but the magic happens when you've managed your cost structure 
to scale up. Absolutely. That's really well said. Dahlia, our next part of the podcast is our lightning round. And I know you've already been on the podcast. I want to say you've probably been on the podcast two times already. This might even be your third time. So I'm just going to yeah. make up questions for the lightning round. Are you ready? Uh-oh. Bye. I'm Surprise. <laughs> Thank you so much for today's episode. <laughs> All right. Question number one, Dahlia. What is the, the most recent book that you've read? Uh, the most recent book that I've read is, or started to read is The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. All right. Awesome. Talks about the fact that every like many little improvements every day done consistently yield massive and stunning results awesome i'll have to read that as well all right question number two what is one thing that you did this year that you're like wow i didn't think i would accomplish this uh one thing that i did this year that didn't surprise me but I'm like, wow, okay, that, that, that's awesome, is how fast we've, I've grown Streetwise Mortgages. Two years ago, 2017, there were two people. There were two, myself and another person at Streetwise Mortgages. We're now up to nine people. Wow. Congrats. So we're doing something right. Congrats. That's amazing. Yeah, I keep seeing your team grow and I also see your YouTube videos that you're doing. That Those are really awesome and you're providing tons of value, but congrats on the growth. That's amazing. Thank you. All right. Question number three. So I'm really bad at like cooking or household chores. <laughs> but what is one thing that, that you're like, I wish I was better at doing this, but I'm not? Cooking. Okay. I don't know how to cook. I just eat and I enjoy my meals. My husband does all the cooking and he's amazing at it. I gave up on cooking. All right. At some point, I want to learn how to cook in a, you know, by mentoring with someone eventually, but at this point, I don't know how to go. I just eat. I, I am the same as you, so I totally understand that. All right, cool. So uh, next question. If somebody has $100,000 in 2020 and they want to buy a property, what do you think the best next step would be for them? I mean, the answer- the buy, the, buy the property. So checking out financing, building a team, Oh, I see. I see your question. Well, again, a, it is really important to plan in anything in life, not just financing. Very important to plan because once you get clear on what you're looking to do and why you're doing it and really break it down into granular components, the, the light bulb goes on and, you, and then you understand, okay, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. And then every little step builds up to where you're heading. So planning is key. Great that you have $100,000, but that $100,000 could be deployed in many things. And any path can lead you to Rome, but which path do you want to take? So we have to plan. And plan financing, planning financing is the first component. Because yes, at the end of the day, the strategy is cool. You know, we can do this, we can do that. But it boils down to money at the end of the day. How are we going to fund this whole thing? I actually think it's probably the most important piece to get set up. Like when, I, when I'm working with students, you know, I, I start working with them. But the next person I send them to is actually you. Because that, help, that helps me work with them for the, the rest of that planning piece as well. To just figure out like what, what can they afford? What makes sense? What are, you know, and, and just break it down based on, on the goals that we talk about. Last question. When the borders open up, where is the first place you want to travel to? Oh, well, I was going to be, uh, I, I was supposed to go to um, Italy this July to celebrate uh, my 20th anniversary. And once the borders open up, that's where we're going. Very cool. Awesome. Dahlia, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can my listeners reach out and find out more about you? The easy way is to email our team at info at streetwisemortgages.com. There is also a contact form on our website, streetwisemortgages.com. If they have a question or they want to get in touch with myself or one of our senior advisors, that's the form to fill and we're happy to assist and help. Amazing. Dahlia, thank you so much. And I want to also personally thank you for allowing me to leave the corporate job world and uh, 
and, and thank you for helping me create the freedom that I was looking for. That, that is amazing. All the, the help that you've been able to provide you and your team so that I can enjoy my life while I'm still, I'm 36 right now, which is awesome. So thank you for that because you played a huge part of that. My pleasure, Sarah. I'm getting goosebumps right now. <laughs> Honestly, uh, it's been an honor to be on your team. I also learned a lot from you being your mortgage broker and you inspired me and you inspired my team at such a young age. You've taken so much action. You've had determination. So, you know, yes, we've helped you with financing, but at the end of the day, you drove it all. So that's how I see it. Awesome. Thanks, Dahlia. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid, but as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step -step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And, you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.